So hello, all you cubby reinventors out there. I have a crazy story for you today. You know that moment in your career where you feel like you're getting bored? Is this all there is, is what you say to yourself? Like whatever it is you're doing, you're a lawyer, you're a writer, it seems to happen to everybody. Um, no matter what business you're in, you say, oh my God, is this all there is? I thought it was gonna be more fulfilling. I thought it was gonna be more rewarding. I thought it was gonna have a big give back or whatever, or you have a bad boss or whatever. Well, that's what happened to Diane Bruno. She had been in PR for 20 years. She'd been speech writing. She loved PR. And then she got to a point where she, her mother died suddenly. It was very traumatic for her. And she found herself with um, her mother in the funeral that she had arranged and really peppering the funeral director with all her questions about, you know, why he was doing what he was doing and how, you know, was he taking advantage of people, whatever. And she said it became such an important moment to her that at a certain point down the road, when she was feeling very unfulfilled in her original career, she thought, maybe this is something I should try. And so while she was keeping her career going, she was a single woman who needed to have an income, she actually went back to funereal school, I guess it's called mortuary school, online, got her degree. She said it took her three years. Usually it's two years if you don't have to double team it. She couldn't leave her job full time. And she actually moved and went to work um, as a funeral director, and she loved it. So this is a crazy kind of story about somebody really pursuing a dream that they had and what happened after. So you have to listen. And it's just a fascinating story about somebody pursuing something that meant a lot to them and gave meaning to their life and to understand how it wove into her current life. So let's all welcome Diane Bruno. So hello, Diane. What a great, crazy reinvention story you have. I do. I do. It's very interesting indeed. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so talk a little bit about um, your history. You started out in PR, but you say you were looking for something more meaningful in your life, both as, as a whole and on the job. Do you want to explain sure. how you got sure. to that ex existential point in your career? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd worked in PR in New York City for about 20 years, um, working for a very large advertising agency. Um, worked with a lot of C-suite executives, um, did a lot of speech writing, a lot of internal communications. Um, and I got to a point in my life and in my career where I just wasn't feeling the fulfillment that I felt when I initially entered the PR world. And I, I took, some, uh, took some quiet time for myself and thought about, you know, what do I like in my life? What would I like to change? Where do I see myself a year from now? And at the same time, a friend of mine left his position um, at a, as a lawyer and he went to nursing school. So he was totally reinventing himself. So I thought, okay, I have to do something that I've always wanted to do. And I always had it in the back of my mind that I wanted to be a funeral director. 
Um, now, so, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> How do you have that in the back of your mind? I know that you talk about your mother's funeral. Was that early on in your life? I haven't yeah, seen that many was. explain that because people need to understand why that would be in sure. the back of your mind. Sure. Um, my mother died very suddenly and it was quite traumatic for me, as you would imagine. Um, and I was very impressed with the funeral director at the time. And I, I asked him a lot of hard hitting questions about how he could do this day in and day out and how he could make money off of other people's suffering, things like that. And he explained to me that he, he really saw that he was doing a service and he was helping people when they needed it most. And I was just impressed with the way he handled me. I was very, very upset, needless to say. And he was very eloquent and very kind. And he just sort of like always remained with me in the back of my mind. And as time went on and as I grieved my mother and so forth, I realized that, you know, death is a part of life. There's no way around it. I became more and more comfortable with, with the idea of death. It was not something that um, I didn't think about. I was very comfortable with it. And I thought, well, that would be really nice if I could combine the two. Here I am comfortable with death, the meaning of life and all of that. I'm not squeamish one bit. Um, so I thought, okay, that would be something maybe. And I sort of just put it in my bucket list and put it behind, put it in the back of my mind because as a single woman, I have to make a living. So um, when the PR world became a little boring to me and not as fulfilling, um, that's when I started to think seriously about pursuing a you know, career as a funeral director and an embalmer. So it was all part of the journey from my mother's funeral till the day that I became a funeral director. How old were you when your mom passed away? Um, I was around 31. Oh, so you were an adult. Okay, I wasn't sure. I, okay. Yeah, I was an adult. Um, she passed very suddenly, so it was, it was not expected. Okay. Um, yeah, and it probably was the one thing that I feared most in my life. And I think once that happens to you, it's not that you become fearless afterwards, but you sort of are like, well, if I could handle that, I could handle just about anything. So you were looking for more meaning. Your friend reinvented as a nurse. I love that. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Is he still doing that? He is. He loves it. He lives on Cape Cod and he loves it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so that gave you the idea to go back and look into your past or, or what was it? And how, um, and how did you first, you just call up a funeral home and say, I want to do this? Or you went back no, to mortuary to, school, right? You have, you have to get a degree in mortuary science. Um, it's a two-year program. It took me about three and a half years because I did it part-time online. I worked as a director of communications during the day, and I did um, classes on the internet whenever I had the chance. Um, it's, it's really, it's like a little bit of medical school. It's a very intense program. Um, and then I did my apprenticeship in Connecticut for one year. I got my license um, in Connecticut as a licensed funeral director and bomber. Um, worked in Connecticut for, I don't know, maybe eight months or so. And then moved to Cape Cod to, to be with my friend. Um, and I thought that that would be the perfect place for me, you know, less stressful than New York and so forth. And I worked as a funeral director there for about a year. Um, and unfortunately, um, I hurt my back. You have to be able to lift at least 100 pounds. Um, I was on a removal one evening um, with a colleague of mine and um, popped a disc in my back. And that changed the whole trajectory of my career back to PR and communications because I could no longer do the heavy lifting. And so do they, do they run you through any kind of physical thing when you, when you sign up to do this? I didn't realize that you didn't, that you do the body lifting. I didn't yeah. know that. No one yeah. helps you. They're not well, people to help you or you have to have employees or how does that work? 
Well, usually there's two people, especially in a home removal, two people do the removal. Um, I did a lot of removals on my own, actually, a lot of hospital removals, a nursing home. I did a lot of those on my own. Um, no, they don't th put you through any kind of training, like being a fire person or something like that. Um, but I was always very capable at lifting. I was always very strong. And it was a situation where the logistics in the house were just very, very challenging. And you know, you know how it can happen. You can turn a certain way or the man weighed probably about 375 pounds. And I was on the removal with another woman and as strong as women are, there are sometimes some limitations and between that and the logistics of the house, the disc popped and um, that changed everything. That changed everything, unfortunately. And unfortunately in the funeral industry, which is very male dominated still, there's a mindset that if you can't do that heavy lifting, whatever you might bring to the table as far as being empathetic, working wonderfully with families, you know, being a comfort to them when they need it most, that doesn't matter as much as if you can't do the heavy lifting, you can't do the job. So that's what's meant by heavy lifting. Is that where that comes from? I wonder. I wonder. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that might very well be or something connected to that. Sure. It's so interesting because what other, that's just really very interesting. But is that just, that's nothing that you could innovate around? Because you like the profession, right? I love the profession. I love working with the families. They loved working with me. Um, the only other thing that's available usually in the funeral industry would be pre-need work. Um, and that's um, a minimum wage position. And as a single woman supporting herself, that's not something that I could sign up for. Um, and what does that mean? What does, what does that mean? You're selling planning? funerals. Yeah, selling funerals and services ahead of someone passing away. So somebody okay. pre-planning their funeral, okay. um, which I would love to have done because, again, I'd be meeting with families and so forth. But the minimum wage and just a very small percentage of what your sales are, that's not something that could sustain me. So I really was stuck between a rock and a hard place. It was very disappointing, very disappointing. And I really think the industry needs to look at these things differently because they lost, they lost a good funeral director. They lost somebody who was a great comfort to the families when they needed it most. Um, my PR background certainly helped with that. Um, and obviously that's not as important as being able to do the heavy lifting. And that's, that's very much a male mindset I'm hoping that over time that will change because it's something like 75% of women are now graduating from mortuary school. 75% of them are women. So it probably will shift and it probably will change at some point as women become more and more uh, part of the industry. But right now it is what it is. So it was, um, yeah, it's one of those things where you're taking a journey and you think you're on the, I mean, we're always on the right path supposedly, but you feel like this is it and this is going to be what I'll be doing for the rest of my life. And then an injury comes in the way and things change. And um, so are, how many women are out there in this business when you were doing it? Did you have a sense that there was anybody else or was it really just you? Um, there were more and more women coming on as apprentices. Um, and a lot of funeral homes love, love to take women on as apprentices because they're feeling they're being proactive and they're, they're not discriminating in this and that. But a lot of women drop out of it because um, it's a tough industry. Again, as I keep saying, it's male dominated and the mindset is a lot of men want to keep it still male dominated. So the women go through a very, a very tough time. If they don't have a mentor that's open-minded and sees that women definitely have a future in this, in this industry, uh, they'll make it as difficult as they possibly can for that woman. Um, I was one of those women that had a very hard time with the people that were my mentors. Um, but I was tough and I prevailed in very many ways, you know, until the injury happened. So it's, 
it's a tough career. It's um, financially, it doesn't um, pay very much. People think funeral directors make a lot of money. People who own independent funeral homes certainly do well because it's their business. But that's not often something that trickles down to the funeral directors that are doing all the hard work and the heavy lifting. <laughs> so the, I just guess I don't know how the business works. Mm -hmm. So the director just works for a home. You're just hired as part of the staff. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it is. And oh, um, I thought you ran the home. I didn't realize that. No, okay. no, no, no. I work. I worked. Um, I actually worked for part of um, Dignity Memorial. They own most of the funeral homes in the United States and in Canada. Um, when you go to a funeral home, if you see Dignity Memorial on it, that's um, owned by a corporation, which is Service Corporation International, which is SCI. So they own most of the funeral homes, and then you still have the mom pas, which are becoming less and less, you know, part of the landscape in the funeral industry. So it, it's very corporate. It's very much, um, it's, it's a very difficult industry. It's, um, people think of it being very, um, you would like to think that all funeral directors are very empathetic and kind and so forth, but... Um, it's very cutthroat. It's a very, um, it's a tough industry. There are things that I didn't know about it before I went into it, needless to say. Would it have changed my mind in, you know, making that my next career choice? No, because I, I, I did learn a lot. I met a lot of wonderful people. I did serve a lot of families that I hope I made a difference in their life when they needed it most. Um, would love to still be doing it, but cannot do the heavy lifting. We keep going back to that, right? <laughs> Right. But uh, yeah. that's so interesting. So what are they going to do with 75% of the graduates coming out as female? Are they just all monsters that can carry 325 no, no, they're person not. downstairs? I mean, like, how is this going to work? And especially if it's corporate, you would think that they would have, they would have figured it out that you have the lifters, mm -hmm. you know, somehow mm -hmm. to, to help, you know, separate those um, things out. But it doesn't well, make any sense to me. It doesn't make any sense. But I, I think over time, as I'm saying, you know, more and more women are coming out of funeral um, education, they're going to have to change their mindset. Um, and it's funny, the funeral home that I worked with on Cape Cod, where I sustained my injury, um, another funeral director after me sustained an injury. Um, now they use a trade service to do the removals. Um, a trade service does strictly does the removals. Um, oh, so the, it, it is yeah. changing. So they are it's, figuring it's little out. Little by little, but it's, something has to happen for there to be change. Um, and in this particular funeral home, I can't say across the whole, you know, funeral industry landscape is changing. Right. But in this particular funeral home, they saw that they lost me. They lost somebody else. Actually, another person was injured, minor, a minor injury, and was able to come back. But now they finally started to think, okay, our funeral directors, we're going to lose them. They're getting hurt. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And but and also because bodies have changed, you know, sure. 100 years ago, mm -hmm. we weighed different absolutely amounts. I mean, the That's amount right. of a, the rate of obesity in this mm -hmm. society now is quite different. So mm -hmm. somebody yeah. who could have lifted people 100 years ago can't lift those same people today, right? True. And you would think when somebody someone is 90 something years of age passed away from cancer or natural causes that they would be on the smaller side and that's not the case you'd be surprised um so yeah as you as to speak to that point absolutely it's changing absolutely wow so what did you did you come back to communications in a different way and what did you end up was you just took a little time out and came back to exactly the same thing or did you i came full, your, yeah i came full circle um of course i needed time to recuperate from the injury 
which I think I still am. I still have the, the pains that, I, that I'll probably always have. Um, I'm from New York, but I did my apprenticeship, as I said, in Connecticut. So I thought, let me come back and live in Connecticut for a while. Um, and now I'm working in internal communications for a company. Um, I do like internal communications. It's the one part of the PR world that I enjoy the most. So I'm doing that and maybe I'm making a little difference in people's lives little by little, but it's definitely, it's definitely different. Um, but it is, I came home to what I did, I guess did best or what um, I did for the longest amount in my career. So um, yeah, I definitely came full circle. Do you have any things that you learned being a funeral director that you apply to what you do now? Has it changed you? personally in any way, or if you created any skills or grabbed any um, skills? Well, I, I, there's always, well, mm -hmm. well, there's such an intensity in the communications field. Um, and I see that that's building more and more and more over time. Um, and I've become more laid back about things. I mean, if you can deal with, you know, somebody losing their loved one and deal with all that and you can embalm and so forth, nothing is, is that ominous to you anymore? Everything is. I sort of take things more in stride than I may have taken years ago in my PR career. Um, yeah, it's just I don't see things as being so monumentous as some of my peers may because I've I've lived this journey, and I, I think as you get older in life too, you have priorities and you see things differently, no matter what your journey has been. Um, and I think for me, having been on the side of the darkness and I mean death and so forth, and I can deal with pretty much anything. So I, I think I bring that to every day in my job, my very stressful job that I have now. Um, and I just, I think I've become a kinder person. I mean, I always was kind, but um, I'm more empathetic. It's more about, you know, walking in somebody else's shoes. Um, I think I'm more laid back. I'm just overall more at peace. Um, I do grapple with why this happened along in my journey, but um, I realize everything happens for a reason, and I don't know what the next chapter is. I, this isn't a done deal. This isn't the end, for sure. Um, I probably would like to start my own business in PR or communications or something like that. Um, I'd like to work for myself at this, at this stage of my life. So, um, yeah, you just never know where life's going to take you. Um, I certainly found that out. Now, talking to somebody who wanted to get into either of these businesses, since you have insight into both. Mm -hmm. um, sure. What do you think, this, this podcast goes to people who are rethinking and trying to figure out what they should do, and if they want to segue into something completely different, like you, many people say they get to a certain point and they're like, oh my God, is this all there is? <laughs> and they want more meaning, they want to give back more, they want to have an impact. What do you suggest for them? Um, well, I think you need to take stock in what you're good at and what you're most comfortable at. Um, take some quiet time to think about what brings you joy, what um, in your next career you wouldn't want to do, what things in your life that you do want to change, um, and take a lot of time to think about it. I mean, definitely changing paths is something that shouldn't scare anyone off, but I think you also have to think, okay, what am I going into? What does it entail? What uh, time will be required for me? I mean, I had to go to school for several years. Um, you really need to look at all the pluses and the minuses. And I think that most definitely take a chance. Don't, don't let fear hold you back. Um, make an educated guess in what you want to do. As I said, research it, think about it and so forth. But realize that especially now more than ever, you know, people don't join a company and stay there for so many years and then retire one day. Everyone's reinventing themselves. 
yeah, everyone's reinventing themselves. Um, there's age discrimination out there. You never know when that's going to hit. So you have to be prepared for that. Um, look, at the, look at the larger picture and think about what you really love to do. What brings you joy? Um, not to sound like Marie Kondo, but what brings you joy? <laughs> <laughs> Hold um, this job up and see if it brings you joy. Yeah, see if, it, see if, if something that you would really want to do. Um, you have you have to be practical too. You know, self support. I always had to be practical. There's a lot of things I'd probably like to do if I didn't have to worry about the financial aspect of it. But um, you know, just realize things are always evolving. Just um, you know, there's just so much to learn about and explore out there and on the internet and so forth. Um, find what what makes you happy and don't hold back and say, okay, this is what I chose to do when I was 20 something and I was in college. You're going to constantly reinvent yourself. We change every day. So the decisions we made at 18 or 20 something are not the things that necessarily we want to do today. So I, I say go for it. I mean, don't take my, my situation here as having to come full circle as being a negative. Um, I'm still very glad for what I did. I met great people. It's something I might be able to do on some level when I retire, whether it's just working for a small funeral home and, and helping out during calling hours or something like that, not being a full-time funeral director. So I know it wasn't um, a mistake. It was just, it was part of my journey. And unfortunately, the powers that be had another choice for me and I sustained that injury. But um, don't hold back, just be fearless, be fearless. And what do you think in this post-COVID world is going to be different about, do you have any thoughts about mm -hmm. the funeral services um, out there and about communications? Do you, could you have any big insights on because I think a lot of things are going to change and people are going to need innovation and a lot of people have lost their jobs. And if they come up with an innovative idea that works with where these industries are innovating, I think there'll be business for them, don't you? I, I absolutely do. I mean, a post-COVID world is going to be very different. I mean, just the way we interact with one another is going to be different. Handshaking will probably fall by the wayside. Um, it, it's funny with all that's going on right now. And, you know, I sit, I sit here and I'm working from home, of course, and I'm, you know, hitting the, the computer keys all day. And I kind of wish I was out there on the front lines. Um, but then I say, mm, that would really be um, challenging, um, needless to say. But um, I, I think a lot of industries are going to change. A lot of small businesses are going to suffer, unfortunately. Um, so I'm sure for somebody who wants to open up a business, that might be a challenge post-COVID. Um, but there are going to be opportunities out there. Um, I think we're also going to look toward what brings us most security. What are the secure industries? Um, funeral industry certainly is. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, so I, I think the way we look at things is definitely going to be impacted. It's already impacting the way I think about the world. Um, and it also speaks to you just never know what's around the corner. So when you think about that, nobody expected this to happen, at least not to, to the severity that it's happened. So um, we never know what's around the corner. So take that chance because now's the time to do it. You know, we don't know what's around the corner. So again, be fearless and um, do what you want to do. Do what you want to do. Do you have any thoughts on how the funeral business might change now that we can? I mean, I'm hearing the stories about people can't even have, they can't have funerals. Well, that's, they, that's because of the, you know, the number of, of people that are unfortunately passing and so forth. I mean, I think the way funerals, funerals and the way people have been doing it have been changing for for a while now. I mean, remember when they used to have calling hours for three nights? Now people do one night. A lot of people do graveside services. A lot of people are doing cremations now more. There's more green burials too. 
So I, I think I think definitely the funeral industry has been changing over time, except for the male-dominated part. But I mean, it's been changing to it being um, simpler in some ways, and also there's a move toward um, you know families preparing the deceased and taking care of them in their own home, getting back to the way it used to be years ago. Um, so I mean, there's definitely changes, that's for sure. And cremation is certainly on the rise, and I think a post-COVID world, it will be more and more on the rise. So those traditional funerals um, are definitely gonna change and may fall by the wayside in a lot of ways. Hmm. I didn't hear about families doing the embalming themselves? No, not the, the, not the embalming, like preparing the body, cleaning their, their lungs ah. and so forth. And more people are passing away at home. I um, see. Families becoming more involved in that and, and okay. getting past the specter of death and it being uncomfortable, you know, there's been a shift in the mindset in that. And I think that's something that probably needs to continue to. People need to be a little bit more comfortable with life and death and, and the unknown. Right. Yeah. Well, this has certainly been enlightening, <laughs> I have to say. As soon as I heard that you had reinvented in that direction, I was like, I have to talk to her. I definitely don't have that story. So thank oh, you good. so much for your time. And thank I'm you. sorry that uh, it created that back injury for you. But yeah, you don't know what that means. There may, be, there may be a way for you to get back in the business down the road that will not require lifting things if that's what you love so much. So. You never know what's down the road. That's right. Absolutely. Great. Well, thank you for your time and effort and congratulations on doing a full circle. Because I, again, I think that's part of the reinvention thing. Not, not everything works out exactly as you expect it to. And that's okay. That's so, okay. Exactly. That's okay. Right. Another and you take stuff. You yeah. take things from it and it you enriches do. you and makes you grow. So thanks so much, Diane. You're very welcome. Thank you. It was a pleasure. So I hope you all enjoyed this conversation with Diane Bruno. And if you like our reinvention stories at Reinvent Yourself, I hope that you will subscribe. And I hope also that you'll leave us a comment or leave us some stars, a review. That's how other people find us. Please pass our name along to friends who might be able to be helped by reinvent yourself. We are all going to be reinventing. We know that this is going to be the great reinvention. That is what is coming. Every industry is going to reinvent. reinvent. All of us are going to have to reinvent everything we do. So let's make it positive. Let's figure out how we're going to be able to improve ourselves, improve our lives, improve our families, and still take care of ourselves in this big reinvention. And I hope that if you enjoy this podcast, you'll also give us a look over at coveyclub.com. We have a wonderful series of, uh, of webinars that are going on. We broadcast now five times a week. You will always learn something. And we've got great content on the site as well. And we're planning fabulous big events for when we all can get back together in person. So I hope you enjoyed this. And I hope you'll join us again. Take care.